So today, in our study of Luke, we're going to come to the end of this powerful sermon that Jesus preaches, that Luke records in Luke chapter 6. And here's an overview of what we've seen Jesus covering so far. In, in chapter 6, verses 20 to 26, Jesus says that, that you who suffer for Christ, you who suffer for Christ, will be blessed forever in him. But you who seek comfort, riches, pleasure instead of Christ will face eternal woe. Sobering verses there in verses 20 to 26. And then in verses 27 through 42, Jesus says that therefore, because of that promise of blessing, therefore, because of that, we should love our enemies. We should give to those who ask us. We should not condemn anyone. And we should deal with our own sin so we can help other people get freed from their sin. So that's where we are so far. Now remember, Jesus in this sermon is talking to a large group of his followers and those who are not yet his followers. And I think that at this point in his sermon, Jesus knows that those who are not his followers yet could misunderstand what he's saying. They could think that Jesus' point is that he wants them to start trying to love their neighbor, love their enemies. He wants them to start trying to give to those who ask. That is, he, he wants them to start trying to do these things. He wants them to start trying to obey his commands, and that as they do that, they will then be saved and forgiven by God. As if by obeying, by doing, we're going to be saved. That is not what Jesus is saying here at all. And to see that that's not Jesus' point... Let's look at how Jesus concludes this sermon, these last two paragraphs. In verses 43 to 46, Jesus answers the question, why do you focus on others' sins and ignore your own sins? Why? Notice verse 43 starts with the word for, which can also be translated because. To verse 43, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Now that word for shows that this verse gives a reason for the previous verse. So in verse 43, Jesus is giving them an explanation about why it is that they focus on other people's sins and hypocritically ignore their own sins. To see how that works, read verses 42 and 43 together. Verse 42, Jesus says, he asks a very important question. How can you say to your brother? Keep that question in mind. How can you say to your brother? Why do you say this to your brother? Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye. How can you say that when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So he's asking, how can you talk this way? How can you focus on others' sins and ignore your own? Why do you say that? Why are you hypocrites? And the answer is verse 43, for or because no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. So their ignoring of their own sins, in verse 42, is bad fruit. So think about this. If they are bearing bad fruit, 
by noticing others' sins, ignoring their own, if they're bearing bad fruit and no good tree bears bad fruit, what kind of tree are they? Bad trees. Let me just say that again, okay? If they're bearing bad fruit by noticing others' sins and hypocritically ignoring their own, if they're, if they're bearing bad fruit and no good tree bears bad fruit, Jesus is saying, you are bad trees. That's why you do this. That's why you say this to your brother. And what does it mean to be a bad tree? Look at all of verses 43 to 44. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs, good fruit, are not gathered from thorn bushes, bad tree, nor are grapes, good fruit, picked from a bramble bush, bad tree. He wants them to understand they are bad trees. Now that sounds kind of harsh, but see, Jesus loves them. It would not be kind if you went to a doctor and he knew that you had treatable cancer that would kill you if it wasn't treated. He wouldn't be kind if he says, oh, I don't want to upset them. I'll just say that they're fine and just go home and don't worry about it. That would not be kind. That would not be loving. Jesus loves us and he wants his listeners who are not yet his followers to understand the problem. They are bad trees. So what does that mean? Here's some Bible background on this. The Bible teaches that we are all born as bad trees. That is, we have, we have a sin nature. But the good news is that God, in great love and compassion and mercy, because of Jesus dying on the cross, God takes bad trees and he transforms them into good trees. He changes them. That's what Jesus did when he saved us. We were bad trees. All of us listening, we all have been bad trees with sinful natures, but God gave us a new nature in great love and mercy. Through Jesus, he gave us a new nature which loves God and lives for Jesus' glory. That's how people become good trees. Now, little explanation about good trees. Good trees are not perfect. Good trees are not sinless. But when we good trees sin, we confess our sin. Jesus forgives us through the cross. And then he strengthens us to get back to obeying Jesus. And so when Jesus says no good tree bears bad fruit, I think what he's saying is that no good tree continues in unrepented, unconfessed sin. Good trees, when they sin, confess and repent. Bad trees, when they sin, continue in unrepented, unconfessed sin. So it's very different for good trees. When we sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us. We repent, we confess. Jesus assures us of forgiveness, strengthens us to get back on the road of, of obedience. Here, here's how I experienced that this past week. Uh, I forget what day it was, but I saw something on Facebook that I wanted to share on, on my page. And so I, I clicked on it and I shared it. And about 30 seconds later, the Holy Spirit just I had this sense of conviction. And, and the thought was in my mind, why did you post that on your page? And immediately, I, I just saw it. I knew it was not to glorify Jesus Christ. It was not to build up my brothers and sisters in Christ. It was not to lead people who aren't trusting Christ closer to Christ. 
The reason I put that on my page was to exalt myself. It was to make me look good. It was pure pride. And the beautiful Holy Spirit convicted me, gave me grace. I just, I confessed it. I was assured of forgiveness. I, I, I clicked delete, took it off my page. Thankfully, nobody had liked it or commented on it yet. It was gone. That, that's how it works. That, that's how good trees sin. But when bad trees sin, they do not repent. They do not confess. They might rationalize or excuse or blame, but they do not confess and repent and change. Okay, so bad trees, good trees, the moment we are saved, we bad trees are changed and start growing as good trees. We become good trees and we're growing as good trees. And the moment we enter heaven, we are perfectly good trees. So that's what Jesus wants us to understand. Without his saving, heart-changing work, we are all bad trees who can only, will only produce bad fruit. We all have sin natures, is another way the Bible puts it. Now that might be a new thought for some of you. Sin natures? But we have evidence of this I mean, all around us. I mean, you parents, think about this. How many of you had to teach your children to lie? Now, now Johnny, we're going to have a little lesson here. I'm going to talk to you about what lying is. We never had to teach our children to lie. They just start lying. Well, where did that come from? From their sin natures. That's where it came from. Or how many of us had to teach our children to disobey? Or to say, no! Or to say, mine! We didn't have to teach our children that at all. Where did disobeying and selfishness come from? It comes from our own natures. So before Jesus saved us, we were bad trees. Oh, this is so important for us to understand. And bad trees cannot bear good fruit, which means that as bad trees, we never did anything that was good in God's eyes. You might say, well, wait a minute. I mean, what about people who like, you know, give to charity and get care for the poor and that sort of thing? Bad trees do do that. They do. And it does give good to other people, but it is not good in God's eyes because there is nothing about God in what they're doing. I mean, think about when you have given to charity to the poor before you have become a good tree. It was so that you would feel better about yourself. It was so you wouldn't feel guilty, possibly. It was so other people might be impressed at what you had done. But there was nothing of God in it. It wasn't flowing out of love for God and desire to see Jesus glorified in, in helping these people. There was nothing of God in it. And so as far as God was concerned, it was not a good thing. Powerful to understand that. So again, because Jesus loves these people who are listening to this sermon, He's, he loves those who are not yet his followers, and he wants them to become his followers. He wants them to understand that they are bad trees, which means that if they respond to this message, if they misunderstand this message and think Jesus is just calling them to try to be good, to try to do good, they will fail because they are still bad trees. Then, 
in verse 45, Jesus talks about good people and they are good trees. And he talks about evil people and they are bad trees. Look at what he says, verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. Good tree, good fruit, good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of, the, out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now again, Jesus wants those listening to him who are not yet his followers to understand just how serious their problem is. They have a serious problem. It's not just that every once in a while they do something evil. That, I mean, maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet and you're listening to this. That's not your problem. It's not that every once in a while you do something evil. It's not that you're a, a good tree, mostly bearing good fruit. There's a couple of bad fruits on there. You'll just take care of those. No, no, no. The problem is, is that you are a bad tree who can only bring forth bad fruit. You, and this, is, this is, has been true of all of us, we've all only been bad trees. We've only had evil hearts, which can only bring forth evil. Now, to make sure they understand this, Jesus then asks them, why don't you do what I say? Why don't they do what Jesus says? That's in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Now, the Greek verbs here have the idea of ongoing action. So Jesus is saying, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, but keep not doing what I say? This is continual action in these who he's talking to because they are bad trees. Those who are not yet followers are bad trees. So they keep calling him Lord, Lord, and keep not doing what he says. So the fact that they keep doing this without confession, without repentance, shows that they are bad trees. Now, if they've understood the previous verses about good trees, bad trees, good heart, evil heart, then they will know the answer to this question. Why do we keep saying, Lord, Lord, and keep not doing what Jesus says? It's because we're bad trees. It's because I've got a sinful heart. I've got an evil heart. I've got a sinful nature. And that's the right answer. And again, because Jesus loves them, he wants them to understand, he wants them to feel how serious their problem is. And he, he shows them even more how serious it is in the very last paragraph of the sermon, where he answers the question, why is it so serious to be a bad tree with a sinful nature? Look at verses 47 to 48. And I'm just praying that as we read these verses, that those of you who are not yet following Jesus, those of you who are still bad trees. And again, we're all in the same boat. We've all been bad trees. We totally understand it. It was by God's grace alone. We're not in any way better than you. But if you're listening to this and you're not a follower of Jesus, which means you are a bad tree, I pray that God will use these words now so that you'll feel how serious your situation is. Verse 47, Jesus says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, 
the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. The house is on the rock, unshakable. But, verse 49, the one who hears Jesus' words and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground, just dirt, without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, Jesus is describing two very different individuals here. One hears Jesus' words and does them. So he has been supernaturally changed into a good tree. He now has a good heart. He's not perfect, but his life is marked by, it's characterized by obeying Jesus' words and when he sins, confessing and repenting. And because he hears Jesus' words and does them, he's like a man who builds his house on a rock foundation. So when the nearby stream floods and the stream pours against the house, beats up against the house, the house stands strong, immovable, doesn't budge. Beautiful picture. And that's a picture of, that, that picture of the water hitting against the house is a picture of God's judgment at the end of history. When this man faces God's judgment, his obedience will show that he was genuinely trusting Jesus. It's not that his obedience earns him overcoming God's judgment. It doesn't. It's that his obedience shows that he's genuinely trusting Jesus, whose death paid for all of his sins, whose death received God's judgment for his sins already. So his obedience shows that he has trust in Jesus, who does take God's judgment for him, which is why God's judgment passes right over him. The stream doesn't touch his house at all. God's judgment doesn't touch him because of Jesus. By faith, he was connected to Jesus. So that's the first man. The other man hears Jesus' words and does not do them. He's never cried out to Jesus to change his heart. He's still a bad tree. That's why he does not do what Jesus says. He never repents of his sin, never confesses his sin. So he's like a man who built his house on no foundation, just on the, on the dirt. And you can imagine what would happen. A nearby stream floods, the waters are hitting up against the house. They're just going to undercut the house. The dirt's going to be washed away. The house just is going to collapse. Just like Jesus says, the ruin of that house was great. And that's again a picture of God's judgment at the end of history. When this man faces God's judgment, his lack of good fruit will show that he was a bad tree. He had no trust in Jesus, which means Jesus' death did not pay for his sins. Jesus' death did not receive God's judgment against his sins, so he himself is going to need to face God's judgment for his sins, which means he's going to be judged by God, punished by God forever. And that brings us to the end of the sermon. So here's my summary, these last two paragraphs. In verses 43 to 46, Jesus says, and he's focusing here on those who are not his followers, the reason you continue in sin is because you are bad trees who can only bear bad fruit. And he says this with deep compassion in his heart. He wants him to understand. This is the diagnosis from the great physician, from Jesus. 
And in verses 47 through 49, to point out the seriousness of this, he says, this is so serious because unless you are changed, you will face God's judgment forever. So at this point, at the end of this sermon, I think Jesus wants his listeners who are not yet trusting him, who are not yet his followers, he wants those listeners to be asking, what can I do to be saved? What can I do? Jesus says my ongoing sin shows that I'm a bad tree, but, but Jesus also talked about some good trees. How could I, as a bad tree, become a good tree? Jesus says that my sin shows that I have an evil heart, but he also talked about some who have good hearts. How could me with an evil heart become someone with a good heart? And I want to close by answering that question. How can someone become a good tree with a good heart? Because that question is answered throughout the Bible. This is so encouraging. Listen, the message of the Bible is not try to do good, try to obey, you can do it. That's not the message of the Bible. That's not our natures, that's not our hearts. The message of the Bible is that because of Jesus' death on the cross, God can change our hearts. He can bring about supernatural, night and day change. How does that happen? I want to show you from, there's a lot of passages I could have used, but 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. In this passage, Paul talks about a, a veil of unbelief, sinful unbelief that's over all of our eyes. Every single one of us has had this veil of sinful unbelief over our eyes, blinding us. This veil was blinding us to the glory of Jesus. I mean, think about the scribes and Pharisees. They, like all of us, had this veil over their eyes so they could see Jesus right before them physically, but they were blind to his glory. They, they were angry at him. How can you heal on the Sabbath? How can you do this? They were totally blind to Jesus' beauty and majesty and authority and love and wonder. They were blind to it. And that's true, been true of all of us before we were saved. All of us had this veil of unbelief over our eyes. So we were blind to the glory of Jesus. We could hear about Jesus. We could read about Jesus. But we're more interested like what's on Netflix or my friends doing. We were not interested. We were blind to Jesus' glory and majesty. And that's why we were bad trees. But look at what Paul says in verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. The veil is removed when we turn to the Lord. When we turn to the Lord Jesus and say, Help me, save me, change my heart, He will. As we trust Him, as we look to Him, as we realize we cannot change ourselves, we cannot save ourselves, we need a Savior, Jesus save me, He will. He will change our hearts. He will remove the veil. But notice, we don't remove the veil. We can't. We don't change our own hearts. We can't. We don't try to make ourselves good by doing good. We can't. We turn to Jesus. That's what we can do. That's what we are called to do. We can do. We ask him to change us. We trust him to change us. And when we do, he responds. Oh, he removes the veil. And verse 17 explains how that veil is removed. Jesus does this by the power of the Holy Spirit, the precious third person of the Trinity. Verse 17, Now the Lord is the Spirit, 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the Holy Spirit frees us, gives us freedom from this veil which was blinding us, keeping us from seeing Jesus' glory. And so by freeing us from that veil, we can see Jesus' glory. We can feel Jesus' glory. And when we do, seeing, feeling Jesus' glory changes our hearts. We become good trees. We were bad trees, now we are good trees. We had evil hearts, we now have good hearts. That's how Paul describes it. Look at verse 18. And we all, all of us saved people, with unveiled face, all of us who have turned to the Lord and had the veil removed, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. We're seeing Jesus, we're feeling the truth of Jesus in the scriptures. We are being transformed. Here's this change happening into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the moment the veil is lifted, we see Jesus' glory. We start to be transformed. We become good trees. We receive a new nature. And as we continue to see Jesus' glory in the scriptures, as we worship see his glory in the truth of the songs we're singing as we have beautiful Christ-centered fellowship together where we're sharing scripture and encouraging each other as we see Jesus glory in the word in worship and in fellowship we continue to be transformed we grow as good trees we grow in faith and obedience that's what happens now let me give you an illustration of this from the gospel of Luke the story of Zacchaeus Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was very rich. He was in the 1%. He had lots and lots of money because he was hired by the Roman governors, government, and he was given authority to get as much taxes as he could, and he would use his power to extort more money from the Jewish people than they owed. And so that's why they were angry at him, and that's why he was filthy rich. But look at what happens to him in Luke chapter 19, verses 2 through 10. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up into the sycamore tree and said to him, imagine if you were Zacchaeus, Jesus stops right below the tree, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. So he, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, to Zacchaeus, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, I'll never forget 
leading a Bible study on this passage years ago. We were first planting our, our church in San Jose. We, we read this passage and I asked the question, what happened to Zacchaeus? So we're all just thinking, what an amazing change. What happened? And one young woman said, Jesus happened to him. And she's exactly right. The veil of unbelief was lifted. At some point in this story, he's crying out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, change my heart. Lift the veil off. And the veil was lifted and he saw Jesus. And he felt the glory of Jesus. I mean, picture it. There's Zacchaeus and for the first time he sees Jesus, the Son of God, fully God standing before me in the flesh, fully God, fully man. And seeing Jesus with such authority, the authority that forgave the sins of the paralyzed man. We read that earlier in Luke. With such authority that he could calm wind and waves with a word. He's seeing the one who has that kind of authority, who has such love and such compassion that it's going to lead him to the cross to suffer, to pay for the sins of all who will trust him. And so Zacchaeus sees Jesus. The veil is lifted for the first time. He sees Jesus in all of his glory. He feels the glory of Jesus. And that supernaturally changed his heart. The joy of seeing this glorious being with such love, such integrity, such power, such wisdom, such compassion, the joy of that would have humbled him and filled him and transformed him. His heart was supernaturally transformed as all of ours are when the veil was lifted and he saw and felt Jesus' glory. See, that's how the Christian life begins. And that's how the Christian life continues. Not by us trying to do good in our own power. We are bad trees and we can only bring forth bad fruit. But by us being changed, by saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And, and the veil of unbelief is lifted so we see his glory, we feel his glory, we are changed by his glory. That's how the Christian life begins and that's how it continues as we continue to see his glory in the word, in worship, in fellowship, and we continue to be changed and we're growing as good trees. Now, this is the best news in the world. This is such good news that the God of the universe, out of such beautiful mercy and love, because of Jesus dying on the cross, supernaturally changes bad trees into good trees. What an amazing message. That's happened to many of you listening. That can happen to the people in your neighborhood, at your workplace. Some of you who are listening now, that has not happened to, but it can. So let me bring a couple of applications to us. Some of you, I would guess, are, are listening and you are feeling so unspiritual that you think you can never do what Jesus calls you to do. Now, listen carefully. You think that you're so unspiritual you can never do what Jesus calls you to do? Listen, you are right. You cannot. But, but, the good news is that when you turn to Jesus and cry out to him for mercy, to forgive you through the cross. He will remove the veil of unbelief from your eyes. He will show you his glory. Your heart will be supernaturally changed. 
He'll give you faith in Jesus. He will so pour his love into your heart that you are filled with his love, his joy for the first time. And you will start being changed and you'll be changed and you'll be changed forever. You'll be saved, forgiven, reconciled to God. Never any judgment. Your house will stand strong when God's judgment comes. So, if that's you, turn to Jesus. Stop trying to change your own heart and don't feel hopeless that you can't change your heart. Jesus will change your heart. Turn to him, trust him, ask him. Others of you maybe are battling a really stubborn sin and feel like you're getting nowhere. There's good news for you in this as well. You're a good tree and yet good trees battle serious, strong temptation. The good news is this, if you will cry out to Jesus for help and if you will then open God's word, you because your veil's been lifted, Open up God's word, you will see Jesus' glory afresh and feel Jesus' glory afresh. And as that happens, your heart will be supernaturally changed. Listen, no temptation can hold a candle to the blazing beauty of Jesus' glory. Temptation is like a little candle flickering. Jesus' glory is like the sun shining in its strength. There's no comparison. Forget the candle, I want the sun. That's what will happen when you see Jesus' glory. Sins, temptations shrivel up and die under the sunshine of Jesus' glory. So when you're battling temptation, call upon Jesus. Show me your glory afresh. Meet me, he will. One other application. Maybe you are in a dry place spiritually. You are a good tree, but right now you're in a dry place. And it's been a while since you have seen and felt Jesus' glory. We all experience that from time to time. You are not alone, and there's good news for you. The good news is that if you will cry out to Jesus for mercy, if you will trust him, if you will open up his word, pray over his word, worship, ask for his help, he will, he will, he will once again show you his glory and fill your heart and Rivers of living water will cause that dry spell to be gone, to disappear. He will do that. So listen, listen closely. No one listening to this message needs to go one more hour as a bad tree. No one needs to. If you will call upon Jesus to remove the veil, Jesus transforms bad trees into good trees. He will do that for you. He can do that for you right now. So turn to him, call upon him, trust him. You will become a good tree, facing no judgment, filled with the joy of Jesus' glory now and forever. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would touch each of our hearts now with exactly what we need to hear from these words, the words, Jesus, of your sermon here. I pray, Lord, for those who are right now bad trees. God, I pray that you'd help them see that they are bad trees, that they would own up to what you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, says with such love and such compassion, and that they would turn to you and say, help me. Forgive me through the cross. Lift the veil of unbelief off of my eyes. Show me your glory. Lord, have them do that right now and then pour out your glory upon them. Let them see and feel and become good trees. And Lord, for those of us who are good trees, thank you for your mercy. Our salvation is by your grace and mercy alone. 
we could not change ourselves. You changed us. What love, what costly mercy. So Lord, help us to continue to grow as good trees as we spend time every day opening up the scriptures, beholding your glory, seeing and feeling your worth, Jesus Christ. And we praise you for your beautiful, glorious, merciful salvation that you've purchased for us on the cross. Pour out your grace upon us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.